Hi, welcome to episode 25 of The Teacher's Promise. I'm Brett Hansen, and once again, I'm happy to be here with you and talk about important issues that affect public education. This week, we'll be talking about the teacher shortage. Before I start, I want to point out that although I am going to be focusing as much as possible on data, it's possible that I will bring in some of my opinions, that I'll share some of my ideas. And I also want to point out that clarifying this issue with data is essential because educators tend to have an optimistic perspective. And sometimes it becomes almost an optimistical illusion in that we don't see what's going on because we have to stay so positive. But in order to better understand the, the situation and the problems and help our students, we have to look at what's really going on. And often the best way to see that is with data. But one thing I'm certain um, will become obvious at the end is that in many ways, we should have seen this teacher shortage coming. So one of the first guests on the show, Jess Meacham, pointed out very wisely that teaching is more art than science. I completely agree with her. But I also think that most human endeavors are more about art, uh, creativity, compassion, insight, and hope transform us. And that's what I think most educators want to do. Statistics, projections, and number crunching inform us. And that is important. Throughout the history of education, compassionate, noble people have wanted to transform students into something more than they were before to help them grow into the best versions of themselves. But our system is grounded in something else. And anybody who reads up on public education or does research will f find it immediately. Too much of the education system is trapped in the factory model, the efficiency mindset, and the race toward numbers instead of wisdom or insight. In the early 20th century, when politicians and monopolists decided to apply Henry Ford's assembly line system to public schools and the entire public school system, they set in motion a certain mindset, a certain goal and intention. They used time charts, tightly prescribed curriculum that literally were said to be, quote, teacher-proof. They pushed for more extensive testing and federal regulations to promote not the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but the types of workers necessary to drive economic prosperity. Our public education system is one part of our capitalist drive to production. So we nowadays really want to promote balance and happiness and insight and help people prepare for the future. But the public education system is designed to create workers. And the people that are supposed to create these workers were originally selected to intentionally experience low levels of respect, to be paid low wages, and to be easy to control. This was an intentional choice in the beginning of the system. 
They wanted obedient passive employees the same way they wanted obedient passive employees on the factory line that would do what they're supposed to do and could be replaced by others. So they intentionally hired less educated graduates who would obey the people with higher degrees, mostly men, who got paid more. And, of course, they focused on hiring women because at the time, women were more obedient to men and they could pay them less. It is not an accident that over 75% of public teachers are women today. This was intentional. And it was easier for them to just fire people who wouldn't comply and then they would replace them like a part of an assembly line with someone else. Unfortunately, many of these same ideals apply to teachers today, especially in states with weak or absent unions. Throughout the 20th century, we had a lot of major changes that took priority over education, like the Great Depression and World War II. But after we came out of those major experiences, things started to dramatically change in the 1960s and 1970s, especially after Nixon opened up China. People started to see that we needed more than just assembly line workers. At the same time, young people started to reject the old authoritarian models and people started pushing for educational reform into and through the Carter presidency. But after that, with the implementation of the No Child Left Behind Act and that legislature, politicians pushed once again for more curriculum mandates, more testing priorities, closing of failing schools, and the blaming of teachers based on student testing that was not determined by them, especially in poor and underperforming areas. At the same time, school funding was dramatically cut, including teaching salaries, as poverty rates increased. If you listen to episode 20 of the teacher penalty wage, we know that teacher salaries started to level off and even drop in the 80s and 90s. Now, people wanted scientific solutions, so they pushed for underqualified teachers who would get paid less and then reduce expensive training and give districts more control. This happened numerous times in the 20th century and then again in the 21st century. A clear example of this process can be seen in Wisconsin's Act 10 legislature, which drove huge numbers of experienced teachers into retirement, thus cutting the costs for districts. It broke the union and reduced salaries and benefits for teachers who were still in the profession in all but the richest districts, while the state continued to mandate high-stakes ACT testing. Basically, they demanded that teachers do more while paying them less and then blaming them for failures that they did not agree to in the first place. And if we start to wonder why fewer people want to come into the profession and why we have teacher shortages, we're really not paying very close attention. Now, this teacher's report is not mainly to voice my personal opinions about decisions made in the past. It's to talk about the situation. Today, we educators feel the effects of this history, 
So that's why it's important that we share it honestly and look it directly in the face. According to the U.S. Department of Education, today, all 50 states reported shortages in more than one academic area. The, the biggest lead was in special education. 48 states reported shortages. In science, it was 46. In math, 44. And foreign language has a huge drop in the number of people participating in certification to be foreign language teachers. Now, last March, the National Center for Education Statistics reported that nearly half of all U.S. schools experienced shortages. And a RAND Corporation study found that nearly all districts changed operations in one or more of schools due to shortages. Now, this could be a large district only adjusting some schools, so not every single school in the district. But they listed primarily things like combining classes, canceling courses, and then asking teachers to assume more tasks, once again, while being paid less. An August 2022 national study found that nearly 200,000 teacher positions were vacant or held by underqualified teachers. Now, about 163,000 of these positions were ultimately filled. And we've seen in the news who ended up filling these positions. Dedicated people who are willing to do the work, but not qualified. National Reserve soldiers should not be teaching students. People unqualified should not be teaching students. And in the end, 37,000 of those vacancies were left unfilled. Many of these positions are held by underqualified teachers who are probably doing the best they can, but it has a deep effect, especially on the neediest students. These types of Vacancies and problems disproportionately affect students of color and low-income families, the people who need it the most. During my research, I found a shocking story in an article in Time Magazine called The Cost of America's Teacher Shortage. It's an amazing situation. A, a teacher, a special education teacher, had to leave her school where her special needs son, her nine-year-old special needs son, who has autism, needed a special ed teacher, she had to leave her school because she would get paid $4,500 more at a district four miles away. But she had other children. She has to pay her bills. She had no choice. And therefore, and not because of that decision, but at the same time, her son ended up being taught by a substitute teacher with no qualifications in autism. It was a sad story to read. At the same time, I felt I, I felt a little, I felt torn. I, I, I wanted her to stay with her son, but I remember when my mom was a single parent trying to pay the bills. It's difficult. Now, this type of underqualified instruction has another effect. Underqualified, undertrained educators leave in the first year twice as often as qualified teachers. So that exacerbates the turnover issue and at the same time, exacerbates the depression of achievement, further exacerbating the problem that led to the shortage in the first place. Now, another important issue is retirements and resignations. It is true that the pandemic intensified these problems, pushing 40% more teachers to resign or retire in the year 2020 and 21 than in 2019 before the pandemic. 
But this type of retirement turnover can usually be absorbed by the system. This isn't the problem. This has happened before. Another issue to consider is burnout. A national survey in 2022 reported that 90% of teachers are experiencing burnout. 74% had to fill in for colleagues due to shortages, thus increasing their work, time when they can't plan and do their grading, and 55% planned to leave education sooner than originally planned. The numbers are unfortunately even higher among Black and Latino teachers. Now, some people question whether teachers will actually leave because they have financial responsibilities, and it is true. Many of those teachers who are feeling like they might leave sooner than they originally planned won't leave because they have mortgages and they have to feed their kids. But even if that is true, do we want our teachers to feel trapped in a burnout job that drains them to despair because we won't make changes? The pandemic in 2021 did have effect on many things, but it is not the cause of this problem. And it is not the cause of the teacher turnover, which is the next issue. Teacher turnover is defined as the percentage of teachers who don't return to their district in a given year. Now they might switch to a different district and stay in education. They might leave education altogether, but they leave that district. And this information can be misleading because according to the overall data, the problem hasn't changed that much. The pandemic didn't increase overall teacher turnover. Teacher turnover has ranged between 16 and 20% for quite a while now. And the issue has been that many districts haven't replaced the teachers that left for whatever reason, whether they retired or went to a different district or went to a different profession. So the real important information is that there are fewer teachers in the schools. But we didn't feel the shortage too much in the past because districts figured out ways to make do. But even if that is still the case, this is an important issue because the most, most needy students, the ones who really need public education, experience a teacher turnover issue more intensely, almost like a parent leaving. And when it takes a lot harder for those students to catch up with a new person, to meet someone new, because they have to develop a new relationship. So we have to ask ourselves as a nation, do we care about our neediest children enough to do more for them? But in 2021, 2022, the real issue became apparent. And that has to do with the decline in education majors, the decline in people coming into the profession. It, the, the teacher turnover and these other issues have caused problems, retirement. But usually the system could buffer that. They could absorb that. And we made all the adjustments we could. But now we have far fewer people coming into the profession. An AACTE national survey sounded the alarm on declining interest in education careers. In 2018-19, the problem became really obvious. The number of education degrees for undergraduates was basically stable through the middle of the 2010s. But in 1819, fewer than 90,000 bachelor degrees were conferred in education. 
we have over three and a half million teachers in the United States. That's a big drop. That's a big problem. And over the last decade, there's been significant decline in the number of degrees and certificates conferred in hard to fill areas, as mentioned before. There's been a four to six percent decrease in special education, a 27 percent decrease in science and mathematics, and a 44 percent decrease in foreign language education. Now, this data could be a little bit misleading because it could be that fewer people are going into foreign language education because there aren't jobs or schools have adapted and stopped offering languages like French or Italian or Latin because they can't afford it or there aren't teachers. So we don't know which direction the data is driving. But strong evidence shows that there are other essential issues with this decrease in people going into public education for a career. In 2022, 55% of students in public schools were non-white. And there are all kinds of reports that show that people learn best when they have a diverse variety of teachers. But 71% of people who got a degree were white. They identified as white. So fewer and fewer people of color are getting into the profession, and that is causing other problems for public education and the future of public education. Now, when I first started researching this, I thought it was a national issue, and I still think it's of national importance. But the research showed immediately that this is more a state-by-state issue with local problems in different ways. So, for example, Mississippi and Alabama are number one and two in teacher shortage issues. And in Mississippi, they have seven vacancies for every 1,000 students. That's a huge number. Mississippi is a poor state. There are more rural students in that state. So fewer people are going into the profession, and the shortages are getting larger and larger. And when surveyed, we found from experienced teachers and from people potentially going into the field, the biggest problem is low pay. 75% of teachers already in the field said that the salary was not fair. 50% of teachers wouldn't advise their younger selves to become a teacher, and 46% feel disrespected by the public and large. Basically, huge percentages of teachers regret having gone into the profession, even though they care about kids. Since the pandemic has recovered, and other jobs in other areas have gotten back to normal, education jobs are still down by about 270,000 employees. Now, this is not teachers. This is all educators, including all of them. We have far fewer people working to take care of our kids. And I found one report that is shocking. I, I can't help but believe there's some kind of misunderstanding. ABC News reported that by 2024, the nation will need 300,000 more teachers. I I can't help but think that they must mean 300,000 more people working in education. But even so, that's a huge number. And the data goes on and on and on. But to tell you the truth, in summary, few things are becoming very clear. One is that most parents don't want their kids to become teachers and therefore kids are not becoming teachers in 
public education programs, in, in the teacher certification programs. According to an article, Most Parents Don't Want Their Kids to Become Teachers in Education Weekly, 63% of, teacher, of parents surveyed said they have a great deal of respect or amount of trust and confidence in teachers, and 55% of them gave schools an A or a B. But still, 62% of them, about the same amount, said that they wouldn't want their kids to become teachers. And this is a 10% drop from 2018 in just a few years. 30% said that it was because of poor pay and benefits. 26% said it was because of the difficult demands and stress and it wasn't worth it. And then 23% said it was an issue of lack of respect. People don't want to become teachers and parents don't want their kids to become teachers. The next thing that's really important to know is that this problem is systemic. If we look at the history and consider how things are repeating and consider the legislation passed by different states and different times and the federal government, the problem is systemic and intentional. That these are things that are chosen and that people, mostly politicians, are deciding to do this. This is not an accident. This is not a result of the pandemic. The third thing that I really want people to note is that these inequalities exacerbate more inequalities. These problems make other problems worse. And it's once again, not a new problem. It's not due to the pandemic and it is not unsolvable, but it is worse than it was before because as stated, more people don't want to become teachers. More parents don't want their kids to become teachers and more children won't have consistent caring teachers in their lives. Finally, we should have seen this coming because it's happened before, but it's not teachers fault. It's not teachers who are to blame and it's not teachers who should accept this responsibility. It is the decision makers. It is society. Society should have fought harder for great schools for all kids, not just for some kids at the top. And society should take better care of rural kids as well, and poorer kids, and special needs kids. I don't accept personal responsibility for this problem, and I don't think any educator should. I know that unless we tackle this head-on as a community, as a nation, the problem's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And those of us who are in the profession are going to end up feeling like we ought to do more. But I don't think we should. I think we should continue to care for students as best we can and do our best work, but not accept more responsibility for problems that we didn't create. Now, I'm an optimist. I tend to look at the world through rose-colored glasses. I can still enjoy my job and enjoy teaching in more difficult situations, but I don't foresee things getting considerably better during my career. These are major issues that need to be changed at the structural, fundamental level, but I hope I'm wrong. I do know that I will continue to work hard with my students, as I assume you will with yours, and I'm grateful 
to all the educators, teachers, assistants, paraprofessionals, everyone, especially those who are stepping into difficult situations to help our students the best we can. But if our nation wants a great education system to create the kinds of thinkers and workers we need and the kinds of happy, balanced citizens we want, something major has to change. And hopefully in the future, we won't be talking about how we should have seen it coming. Hopefully we'll have changed something. So once again, thank you very much for being an educator and for joining us. I hope this information is helpful to you in some way. I promise that next episode will be uh, more inspiring and uplifting. I have a wonderful guest coming on the show, Corey Vandertai, who's been an educator. He's been a teacher. He's been a principal. He is an incredibly dedicated person, and now he's a stay-at-home parent. And so he will be sharing a wide variety of views on many issues, and uh, it'll be a great, great show. So we will see you in a couple weeks. And um, once again, thank you for all you do. Thank you for being an educator and caring for other people's children. I'm proud to call you a colleague and I will keep doing my best to bring you the stories that will inspire you uh, to stay in the profession and reach all your goals. Talk to you again soon.